Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Okay, welcome in, guys, to today's OBR Film Breakdown. It is uh, a shift. You know, if you listened, yesterday was the last comprehensive film breakdown of the season. I went offense and defense together because I'm tired of talking about, well, let me put it this way. It was a pointless game, a lot of preseason vibes in that Week 18 game, so didn't want to spend a ton of time on it, but also wanted to do, you know, complete the season uh, with those comprehensive film breakdowns. So I hope you enjoyed listening to me yak at you there for 22 straight minutes. So going to have some guests on the rest of the week. We're going to do some fun stuff. Uh, I'm going to actually pre-record several of these uh, because I'm going away on a work trip. So if something crazy happens, uh, I'll get to it probably Friday night for the Saturday pod. But otherwise, having on some good guests, pre-recording some season recap stuff as a means to put a bow on this thing, which we'll do for the most, of, the most part in January. But I do think... There's several of these that we need to get to right away, I think, as the season ended two two weeks earlier this year than last year, and we got to find some things to talk about to cover up, you know, the warts of this year uh, before we dive into next year. So some fun topics. Today, we did get Andrew Berry's press conference, so we're going to talk about that. That should be pretty fun. Then we're going to do, um, I don't know if these are like awards or what do they call these superlatives? I'm not sure. We're going to welcome in Jordan Zerm. I think he's a really great guest to do this with. Jordan, what's up, man? Jake, what's going on, man? Good to talk to you. I uh, we were just talking about, but I um, I was just in Cleveland for three weeks. Uh, just returned to Los Angeles on Saturday, and I'm going to refrain from saying what the exact temperature is here on the pod. I just don't want anyone to be too upset, you know. But um, it is wild going from. It is very wild. It is very surreal to me going from like what the weather was in Cleveland, uh, which was very cold, snowy. Uh, to what it is now in Los Angeles, but as I told you before, it's good to get back. I don't, I can't lose my Midwestern roots. I never want to become <laughs> the person that's like in LA wearing a winter jacket when it's sixty-five degrees out. Um, I, like if I become that person, then somebody please just punch me in the face. So it was good to good to get home, be home for the holidays, get some of that cold weather in the bones, toughen me up again. So I uh, hope uh, the new year and, and holidays and everything was good for you as well. They were great, man. I would I would equate this to your like keeping your Midwestern card. You got to come back and renew it every <laughs> exactly. every hundred percent. Yeah, every stretch of time you got to come back and renew that thing. I don't. I work from home, so I don't go outside some days. So like, you know, I'll I'll go out on on Tuesday to put the trash out, and I'll be like, wow, it's extremely cold, and then not <laughs> go back outside until like Thursday and forget. You know, the weather shifts so much here. Anyway, we're out in the weeds. But nonetheless, I'm off to Texas. Will, It'll be a little uh, warmer, so I'm pumped about that. That's great. I'll I'll tell one story before we get into stuff. I uh, one of the final days I was home, um, I was meeting my mom in the morning for coffee, and we had texted the night before. Um, and she was like 10 a.m. She knows I'm not exactly a great person at getting out of bed on days where I'm not working. So I was like, no, 10 a.m. is fine. Like I'll walk up there. I'll meet you. The coffee shop's like a five minute walk. We're in Cleveland Heights, and um, I wake up the next morning. There's a text from my mom. It's like 9:30. She's like, just want to make sure you're still going to meet me. I'm like, damn, mom, you really think like I'm the latest person in the world. I text her back. I'm like, yeah, of course. The room I'm staying in at my dad's house at the time, um, I had the blinds closed and there's another window there, but you can't really see out of it very well. So I'm getting dressed and 
um, you know, all that. And I, and I walk, <laughs> I walk into the living room and it, it, it was like blizzarding in Cleveland Heights that day. And so I walk in the living room and I look outside and I'm like, oh, that's why she texted me. I was like, well, it's yeah. too late now. And so I just, you know, trudged through a snowstorm to grab some coffee to beat my mom. But it was great. That was the day that I felt like I had. Yeah, I got the check on my Midwest. I renewed my Midwestern card for like another year. So I felt good about that. Yeah, it's official. You got to go through some sort of experience. Could be you do. Like traffic. It's like ridiculous traffic and for no reason where it just bottles up and you're like, there was no accident. Yeah, this is weird. OK, or it's the weather. Uh, or it's somebody just being rude for no reason like that. That's another <laughs> thing that can keep it refreshed for you. But anyway, let's talk about Andrew Barry. He talked today. Um, I'll leave the floor open. I'm not going to guide you any one direction. Anything. I mean, he was going to get 72 Baker Mayfield questions. Is there anything that yep. stood out to you? Um, I I guess I was surprised with sort of the. Yeah, like we we briefly talked about this before we started recording the the sort of loud support he gave for about as loud as Andrew Barry gets in terms of like any sort of definitive answer um, mm -hmm. saying, you know, he was asked straight up is, is Baker Mayfield, your starting quarterback in 2022. He didn't really hesitate. He said he is our starting quarterback looking forward to him getting healthy and, and all that. I, I was a little surprised about the definitiveness of that answer, but at the same time, Jake, and, and I, I have a feeling you may feel like this as well. I think actions speak a lot louder than words in, in this situation, especially for Andrew Barry, who I think is a, is a, has become very deft at like not saying a lot. And even if he does say some stuff, it, it may not be exactly what he's feeling at the time. I, I would, I, I would be shocked right now. And I think this is what Kevin Stefanski said too. And the report that I think Ian Rappaport had it a couple of days ago about the Browns wanting to move forward with, with Baker. I just would be shocked if right now, a week after the season before they know any sort of situations with, with quarterbacks maybe coming available by trade or free agency um, before any of that, that they are just like, yep, Baker's our quarterback 2022 and moving forward. Like there's just no chance in my mind that that is sort of where they're at. Now I think as they've done all season, especially Kevin Stefanski, they have protected Baker in the media and they are not going to say anything that's going to throw him under the bus. Like that has been very, very clear throughout this entire season. Um, so, and when I say actions, I also mean like Barry seems pretty content in terms of like, if Baker, if they decide that, listen, there's, there's no upgrade that makes sense for us in terms of what it's going to take to get that type of quarterback as an upgrade, like picks we're going to have to give up in a trade or whatever but it doesn't sound like he has any desire to sign Baker to an extension. Like they're going to let him play. If he is the quarterback in 2022, they're going to let him play on that fifth year uh, option. And then we'll see where it goes after that. But to me, that continues to speak volumes about how they feel. Um, so until they offer him an extension or, you know, so, or you, you're going to, and I have a feeling you're going to hear some rumors as we go through the off season about who they're looking at in terms of quarterbacks and stuff. I, I just am, not convinced that Andrew Barry, who I, I still believe to be a very smart data-driven guy, that they just had an, one exit meeting with Baker. And we're like, okay, cool. Next year, we'll see you. You're our guy. So while I was surprised, I guess in summation, Jake, while I was surprised about how sort of vocally supportive he was and, and definitive in that answer, I, I don't actually believe that they have solidified their starting quarterback's uh, situation next year by any means. Yeah, I think you have to look at it as what what is to gain and be lost, right? If you're yes, like a yes. Baker Mayfield supporter and 
and you you are convinced he's coming back next year. This was like the the best press conference ever. Which cool. I yeah. I mean, he said things you would you would if you were thinking Baker's back. He said things that you would expect him to say. Which true. You got to think of it from the flip side, though. And I know you're saying the same thing here. Uh, if he said, if he got up there and said, well, we really don't know if we vision, envision Baker as a long-term starter. We think he might. And I know some some places don't even do what Andrew Barry did. I'm pretty sure today Frank Reich was noncommittal about Carson Wentz in the future. Like as the he wouldn't commit him as the 22 starter. Uh, I'm pretty sure I read that today in, in, in conversations he had with the media. But what... You, you got to understand what the Browns are doing here. It's clear they want to support Mayfield, but they also know that the public game is how they keep his, his value alive to an extent. If they were waning on uh, providing him, uh, uh, you know, the, the, we're going to start you angle. You're our starter. You're our guy. Then it puts doubt that, well, if the Browns don't believe in him, why would we trade for him? And I'm not saying they're going to trade him just like you're not, Jordan, but they have to build him up publicly if they if they think they can come off of him for the right player. You cannot tear him down, uh, and we don't know if Baker's going to be on our roster next year. We're exploring all trade. They're not going to do that right now. And, and I don't even know that they ever will go out and say that, but you have to understand it's two things can be true at once. They can be of the belief that, that if Baker's here, he's our guy and we're going to support him. But also if we are playing the media angle for how we keep Baker's trade value alive, if the right deal comes in our, you know, lands on our lap, we have to do this publicly as well. Would do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, you have I, to do both sides of the coin there to keep it alive. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that they're like sitting here, Andrew and Kevin behind closed doors, are telling themselves we are gonna trade them. There's not a doubt in my mind. I'm not trying to tell you that. I'm just trying to tell you how you play both sides of it, so that if Russell Wilson, if you get a call from Russell Wilson's agent and says, "Hey, we he he'll come to Cleveland. He believes in you guys." He's, I'm just saying, this might sound far-fetched, whatever, but he believes in you guys. Well, you know, you got to convince Seattle to take Baker back. Well, then you can't have just a month ago, you guys were saying you didn't even think he was going to be your starter. Why would we want him? You know, that kind of stuff. So yep, I, I think they did I, a nice job with it. Yeah, and I, I agree with everything you're saying. And I also think, too, the, the point to be made is, again, if they, yeah, like, like we said, if there is not a better option, whether it's because they just don't want to give up the assets they're going to have to give up, or let's say, you know, for whatever, Russ signs back with Seattle or another team kind of snags him and Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay and the Deshaun Watson stuff is too, too toxic and too, just too much, and they don't want to touch it, then you have to maintain some sort of relationship with Baker, because then it's like, well, yeah, there there isn't a better option right now. So we're going to play Baker his fifth year. And if it's already, we've talked about this on a past pod, it's already going to be some awkwardness there when they don't sign him to an extension. He's just going to play out that, that fifth year option, which seems kind of inevitable right now. But you don't want to make it to a thing. Yeah, right. Where if like both Stefanski and Barry had come out in these exit interviews and been like, yeah, uh, Baker was pretty bad. We expected a lot more from him. We're not sure how to move forward. Like, there's almost no point of return there. Then it's like, exactly. you know, Baker's seeing those comments and he's, you know, the, the media back and forth already started a little bit last week. So we already see and have seen what that can devolve into. So you want to stay away from that because it really does feel like a 50-50 chance that that Baker is is back because there is so much unknown about available other options. So they are towing a line. 
And I think you've heard Andrew Barry and Safansi talk about relationships and culture in the building. And especially yeah. after some of these exit interviews where a lot of the defensive players were like, we just weren't connected. Like we were the defense and offense was siloed and there were relationships in the building. Baker even talked about it in interviews he did with ESPN and NFL Network. Like there was clearly some stuff internally relationship wise with that whole team this year. And so um, the last thing you want to do is continue to sort of put the nail into that crack that has sort of developed a little bit. So they are walking a fine line. And I think, again, yeah, while me and you maybe were a little surprised about Andrew Barry's kind of firm comments, it, it like you said, they're not going to come out and be like, no, nah, we don't know. We don't know if Baker's our guy. Like that just doesn't really do anything helpful wise for this organization. So it, it remains a very fascinating offseason ahead of us. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And you're, and you're dealing with the, some fragility at quarterback. Like clearly Baker's 100%. on the precipice of like... Of of going off the edge of of this place doesn't believe in me and and there's just a whole there's a whole bunch there that you really don't you don't want to get into with him so you I mean you do and I'm we're this pod is not Jordan and I telling you hey they said this but here's what they really meant I, that's not what we're trying to do I'm trying to give you an example or talk you through how teams say one thing when they're really also keeping their options open for another thing. And again, that other thing is not Kyler Murray at the top of the draft, like the Cardinals famous, we believe in Josh. That was a short thing. <laughs> it's not that the Browns very much have a ton of gray area with getting a new quarterback here. There's like trades and signings and cat figures. And it's 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 why. So I just don't want you at the end of if they start Baker next year to think, well, told you they didn't even consider another quarterback. They're doing that. I'm just telling you. They're doing that. That could ultimately, like Jordan said, point back to end up in Baker Mayfield's, you know, for, you know, the ball could be in his court. He could get the job by default. They could not make a deal because nothing came to fruition. Nothing made sense. But like this interview today is not like it just wasn't a firm stamp on they believe the firm stamp on they believe in Baker Mayfield is you sign him to another contract. Like you said, yep. that is their 
when you want to be like the ah, ha, ha, I told you so person, when they sign him to another contract, that's when you can do that. So uh, again, but it was a good interview. There was nothing wrong with it. They said all the things that you should want to hear. I would hope that they're not completely bailing on Baker because he might be your best option going into next year. And there is a world, a universe here where he does get back on track to what he did in some of 2020. I'm writing on it today, how he lost his way. It's going to be up tomorrow. What can he do to get the mechanics back They're They're laying out all the ways this off season can go and where the playoffs ultimately lead in 22, a path of that is Baker getting it back and being the guy. So we'll see how much they trust that or what percentage of belief they have in that that's to be determined. Um, okay. Let's shift gears here a little bit. Uh, and Barry said a bunch of other stuff, very, very, you know, bringing Clowney back and liking the rookies and all that. I don't, is there anything else I should ask that Jordan? Is there anything else that stood out to you? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I think the, uh, obviously the, it was Baker dominated. Um, but I, you know, I did find it when he's, you know, he said we have a lot of core pieces on this roster and I, I thought there was a lot of truth to that too, which is why, you know, there is so many questions about the quarterback position because the Browns do have a lot of core pieces on this roster in terms of like, you know, the window for them to really make a deep playoff run, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm sure we'll touch on some guys as we get into this next segment. But I thought that really stood out because um, that's why these quarterback conversations are so, so important because you look at, especially the strides some of the guys on the defensive side of the ball made, not, not just Miles Garrett, who is obviously, you know, the marquee name, but they've got a chance to be really, really good everywhere around the quarterback position. I think maybe offense needs a little more configuring than, than the defense does, but like they have a chance to, again, be a really, really good football team next season. So um, I thought that was really interesting, but it also gives a little insight into, you know, Andrew Barry's thinking, which again, you know, we can, <laughs> we can parse words and all that stuff and try to find meaning and everything. But when he says they have core pieces, I really think that is a pretty truthful look into how he feels about the roster and, and how they feel about next season in that, like, listen, yeah, like we're not going to run it back player for player, scheme for scheme, because this season was a bit of a a bit of a disaster. But there's a lot of good players on this roster and, and we have a window to kind of get after it. So that was really the only other big thing that stood out to me. Yeah, the window stuff. Very true. Uh, they they know they're close. They, they yep. are a couple key moves away from getting where they want to get here. So let's talk recapping last year. We're, we're going to do these straight out of the yearbook. Uh, or, you know, sometimes teams vote on some of these things. We've made a couple categories up. We've got a bonus category at the end. Uh, we'll start offensive MVP. This was not a good offense, Jordan. It was a, nope. it was a rough group. <laughs> sure was One that only scored, I think I tweeted it out since week five when they were in L.A. That since that game, they only scored three touchdowns in an offensive game three times the rest of the way from week five on. So it was brutal. It was not fun. Uh, but I want to know who you think. I'll give you the lead off on this one. Because I'm going to the defensive MVP is going to be so easy that I, I want to do that <laughs> one first. So I'll let you go yeah. offense first. Um, cool. Well, offense, maybe you may have the same person as me just by process of sort of elimination. I, I'm still I'm still riding with Nick Chubb in terms of offensive MVP. Um, I know there were some some games sort of in the back half of the season where he struggled a little bit, um, where he didn't quite look like himself in terms of his confidence finding the right hole and cutbacks but really outside of a couple games against Baltimore where they just stacked up the box um those back-to-back with the the home and away uh sandwich between the bye uh or on either side of the bye I should say and and maybe a couple other games there he obviously there was some uh, missed a little bit of time too but 
Um, I just think when he is on and uh, I think the game against Green Bay was really a game where after those struggles in those two or three games before Green Bay, where he really looked like himself again. And I, there are just so few running backs in the league, Jake, that I think have the combination of power, speed, but also just his vision and, and how he cuts and how he can see things and holes develop down the field. Really, sometimes we feel before like they're even there. And I do think it's hard to go back and remember, but man, how good he was against the Chargers. I was at that game in person in Los Angeles, first Browns game I had been to in, in person in a really long time. And and just watching him operate, man, he is, he remains just a top, you know, if not top one running back, top three running back in, in the NFL, even with sort of a down year for everybody on this offense. Um, he just is, I think, just that special combination. And when he is on and when he is healthy and right, like there are just few running backs I'd rather have back there than Nick Chubb. So I'm going to give it to Chubb, just a, a combination of he's still, you know, such a integral part of this offense and can do so many things for you, but also, you know, a little bit of, man, there just wasn't a lot of else going right on the offense, but for the most part, Jake, I think for maybe about 75% of the season, Nick Chubb was the guy we all thought he was. And um, I can, I, I'm really excited again about him next year. I'm, I'm hopeful that the offensive line can have some better health uh, health luck next year than they did this year between Jedrick and, and Jack Conklin and, and all the, the COVID stuff and, and switching guy and playing Batonio on, on, <laughs> at left tackle and all the stuff that they had to do. Um, Chubb still was able to thrive for most of the season. And, and so I, I am continually amazed by just the type of player that he's become. I, yeah, I can't, I can't argue with, with Nick. I mean, he's their, he's their best weapon. He's a guy that, uh, by virtue of modern NFL makes us argue about running the football, not enough, even though the Browns mm-hmm. run the football a ton. Um, <laughs> he is a divider in a good way. He will make you want to give him the football all the time, even when the data tells you shouldn't give it to him. He's great. He's fantastic. I went a little different. I went Joel Batonio um, okay. because like he had the third best grade among all offensive linemen in the NFL. And he was elite, elite again. He better be named an all pro. If he's not, I'm going to be really frustrated for him. Because he's just, he's so underrated. He had two elite games at left tackle when they needed him to play yep. left tackle. He just, he just continues to be, um, what what they need. Like he just is a steady beacon of leadership, of performance. Uh, he does obviously doesn't need to be vocal. He's a fan. He's just utterly fantastic in commercial process as well. Like, you know, him and Conklin in that commercial couldn't be couldn't be topped. <laughs> So uh, that better, needs to be considered. better times, Jake, when that commercial came out. We were we were in a different state with this Brown season, and that was a joy to watch. <laughs> it really is. But uh, here's a fun fact for you too. So, uh, guys who played over a thousand snaps this year, Wyatt Teller played 1107, the same number as Batonio. Treader obviously missed one game, so he played 1039. Uh, Treader had five penalties. Uh, Teller 11. Joel Batonio had three penalties as an offensive lineman playing left guard, Unreal. left tackle. Uh, for the season, a 93.6 grade, as I said, third best in the league, 92.5 run blocking, 85.9 pass block, just, just phenomenal. He's on a hall of fame trajectory. And I hope, I hope that, you know, I think people will see Joe get into the hall of fame and I hope they don't forget down the line how good consistent if he can, I I don't really think they're going to ever consider moving him to left tackle, but like if he wanted to say, here's my stamp on being in the hall of fame, 
I'll move to left tackle. We'll let Jed move to right and we'll figure this out for the next five years. Like that would be it. I still think he can get in the hall of fame by sticking at left guard, no matter what. Cause I think he's that good, but I just think this year and a year that's a bummer. It's a letdown. Um, Nick is a great answer too, but I just don't want to forget about Joel because I think he put up one of his best years ever, to be honest. Um, no, that's, I think that's a great call. Um, he obviously, you said it, it's, it's funny to think about this is probably a topic for another pod on another day, but man, for all the, the sort of misery and, and toughness that a lot of, you know, the Browns since 99 has been, they, they have churned out some offensive linemen, you know, like guys that are, have played here and but like Alex Mack and Steinbach and like Joe Thomas, obviously in Petonio, like you just think about some of the names that have played on some of these Browns lines and for as, as bad as they've been everywhere else on the field for the majority of the time that they've come back since 99, they really have had some of some incredible offensive linemen come through Cleveland. They really have six games for Joel above 90. Here's how he closed the year. Okay. Week 11 on 88, five, 89, five, 91, eight, 91, five, 82, six in his final game at left tackle. He did get, he did have a poor game in Pittsburgh when he moved back to left guard. He had a 55, but then he closed with a 90.7 Cincinnati. So Really, really good year. His best collective grade year in the NFL now at, at uh, age, what is he, age 30? Just turned 30. So hopefully he's got three or four more good years we could have with Joel and get him to some some heights he hasn't seen yet. Let's switch to defensive MVP. I don't think it's really a debate. Miles Garrett had 18 sacks, yep. um, and he was extremely – I think you could make a case for Denzel Ward coming on, but Miles was so, so special this year. Again, another year where he hasn't quite closed with the fury that we we would have loved to have seen him to maybe convince the voters for a defensive player of the year. Still only 24, I believe, not quite 25 yet, or maybe he did just turn 25. I'm not sure. Uh, but, you know, f- just a phenomenal football player that the Browns are so lucky to have, man. Yeah. And I think, you know, unfortunately, I think that groin injury really slowed him down. I think he, at the end of the year, I think he mentioned, um, in an interview, I think maybe in the second to last before this, uh, not before the Cincinnati game, but um, before the Steeler game, just about uh, how it was hard for him to kind of get that same explosiveness off the line. And he was doing more kind of bull rushing than he was anything else because of the groin injury. But yeah, man, he is a, he is a freak of like, he is the definition of a freak of nature. Um, And I think really the only thing that can hold him back is health. And he's dealt with some stuff kind of every year he's been with the Browns and, um, but it's just kind of the nature of that position and the physicality that he that he plays with. So, um, no, he's an he's an absolute freak. He's gonna uh, be a freak for a long time. So it is uh, it's special to watch. And yeah, my honorary mention was going to be Denzel Ward, who I think had a really incredible season. I I think about <laughs> the last time that I we were riding a high with the Browns was that first win over Cincinnati, where he just you know he started things off with the pick six and had himself really the Browns secondary in general, but, but Ward had himself a, an amazing day. And um, I think he doesn't always get the credit he deserves because he's so quiet. Um, and sometimes it can be hard to, to tell, you know, who's a when you're, when you're watching the game from the camera angle, they give you, you know, sometimes guys, he's gotten blamed for stuff where he was in zone and it wasn't his fault. So it's just always hard, but he, I think this season made as many plays and a sure tackler made some really big, had some huge hits you know, shutting down little swing passes out of the backfield and all that. So, no, I think the Browns, in terms of Ward and, and Garrett, have two absolute stars on the defensive side of the ball. So, uh, but no, Garrett, this one was easy in terms of Miles Garrett grabbing this one. Yeah, he had 78 total pressures this year. Um, and he's had seasons with more snaps on the field. Like last year, he had 875 snaps. And in 2018, he had 1,012. So this year he gets uh, up above 70, up to 78. His previous high was 67. 
um, 18 sacks. Previous high was 15 through pro football focus, who I think does a better fair job with sack data. He had 45 hurries, 15 quarterback hits, three batted balls. Uh, yeah, just a, just a really good season. His highest collective grade, his previous high was 86.9. He had a 92.0 and 92.7 pass rush grade, also a career high. So uh, an all pro season, very good year for miles. He's okay. He's, he's, he's okay. He's going to be fine. He's going to be, a, yeah, I think he'll be all right. Player. All right. Let's talk unexpected player of the year. I'm going to go. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go not as off the rails as you might think here. Um, didn't quite grade as high as I thought he did. Not that grades are the end all be all here, but I, I, I think I expected very little from Clowney. Jadevin Clowney. Like I thought, okay. I thought he would he would be okay. I definitely was banking on an injury issue, but it never came. He played 14 games. He was really, really good in those 14 games. I thought he only graded a 69, one pass rush, 67 and a half overall, but he had 53 pressures. He had 11 sacks. According to pro football Focus's metrics, he had 32 quarterback hurries, 24 tackles. He had 26 stop tackles. Like I, I just thought, as far as what your dream could be for Clowney, and I, I again, I was expecting low, not even great. You know what I'm saying? So I just, I thought he was an unexpected, really, really good player. Thought he could be fine. I uh, was trying to remind myself that he would just be, you know, he's a one year guy for a reason. To me, he's, if he can get a multi, you know, multi year deal done here, I think it should happen. But I just was really pleased. I, I did not expect him to be as good as he was uh, and, and as consistent as he was as well. Uh, I love that pick. That's a great pick. Um, yeah, he played out of his mind. I mean, I think he had the most sacks in his career outside of one season, like early in Houston. I forget which year it was. But, I think it was um, the year right before he went to Seattle that last year. Yeah. So, you know, for a guy that hit the biggest criticism and probably a little bit unwarranted, but yeah, a lot of the criticism about him is he just like he doesn't get to the quarterback that often and doesn't kind of finish up with sacks. I mean, yeah, I don't know what more you could have asked from from Clowney for this season. Um, so, I, no, I love that pick. I think that's great. Him and I really hope the Browns bring Clowney back and, and him and Garrett is, you know, pretty serious. And it, it also looked like, like just in terms of his mood, you know, Clowney, I think, has... Uh, can be a bit of a moody guy, especially when he's not on a, a team that's winning very often. And that's, I think that also outside of injuries contributes sometimes to why he sort of disappeared in those sort of Titans Seahawks years. And um, he just looked really happy in Cleveland. And he's, you know, he had some quotes um, throughout the year and in his exit interview about just like how much he enjoyed playing football here and playing alongside Garrett probably helps a lot. Like, I just think that defensive line um, sort of bonded together. So it was just really cool to, to kind of see that um, I went in a little bit of a direct, uh, different direction here with mine, just because I, this wasn't like a guy that really contributed year long, but when he did contribute, it was just kind of really a special story. I kind of went with to Ernest Johnson and I did that because um, you know, nobody, when you have one of these running backs, that's sort of, you know, the third string or the fourth string and um, doesn't get a ton of playing time. And then all of a sudden you have this Thursday night game, where guys are out with COVID and injuries and, and Mayfield's out. So you've got Case Keenum and, and that was a huge game against the Broncos. Like the obviously playoffs were still very much alive. They needed to win that game. It was Thursday night. Um, and Ernest Johnson just balled out, man. And it was just like so fun to watch him do that. And his story, everybody knows his story by now and like what he's been through. 
um, and all of that. There's a really great um, feature on him, I believe by Let It Fly Media that um, people have probably seen clips from, but it's just, if you haven't seen it, just like Google it or put it in on YouTube and just a story about, you know, where he came from and, um, you know, his journey to get to the NFL and, and stay in the NFL and all that. It just seems like a really, really good dude. And I remember the press conference where somebody told him that LeBron had tweeted about him and he freaked out. Like, I just loved Ernest Johnson so much. And man, even in spot duty, he had some really, really just huge, um, huge plays. Uh, Jake, I'm blanking on what the opponent was, but they had like a third and nine. This was a couple games ago where they handed it off to him and he picked up the first down. It was a huge first down and I'm blanking on which game it was, but it was recent. Um, and then even watching him against Cincinnati at a game that was, you know, end of the year, meaningless, didn't mean anything for the Browns, but just watching that dude, you know, get carries and play well. Like, so unexpectedly, Dearness Johnson in the limited time that he played, but he had some, you know, he was called upon and he did some really, really great stuff. And it honestly was really fun to watch. So hats off to, to Ernest Johnson. He was my unexpected player of the year just because of um, how well he played when he was in there. And, you know, just a guy that you didn't expect to be in games and have to kind of carry a little bit of the load that he did. And and he came through. So I, the, the, the Ernest Johnson story is one of my favorites just in all of the NFL, not just the Browns. That's a great, it's a great answer. I didn't honestly, it didn't even cross my mind. He, he really alleviated both guys. He helped you feel mm-hmm. like, you know, Kareem's injury issues weren't as big a deal. Um, and he's good. He's, he, I think you're thinking the Packers game. He had a, he had a couple yes, that's what it was. run yep. in the Packers game that put them down. One put them like a 30 yarder down the goal line, but um, yeah, it was a third and nine that he broke it for like 30 yards. Now I'm up the right yep. sideline. Um, yes. That's yeah. Exactly that, yep. That's a, that's a great answer. He had over 500 yards. He's a, he's a back dude. I, I, he's not a great top speed guy, but he gets to his top speed quick, which matters. He can, he can really feel when people are over pursuing his current angle and stop and get back up field quickly. Uh, which is, you know, sort of an uncanny thing. I, I just, he's, he's, I don't know if he's in Cleveland long term, uh, or if he is a restricted free agent, ends up going somewhere else. But a good player, a good player that deserves to get some touches and some money in this league, and I hope it works out for him. That's a great answer. Rookie of the year. This is a, it's a tough one. I think you could go either way. I mean, I think it's JOK, uh, yeah. just, be, just because of this, this. He was more consistent in opportunity like i don't know how to phrase that like he had he just had a lot of opportunity made a lot of impactful plays i think greg newsom did you could go either way in my opinion uh either of those guys would be the fi- a fine answer but jok kind of seeing what his cap is it, it, you know thinking the things would translate from his his college tape to the NFL, what would it look like as a box linebacker? The way he plays linebacker like a running back where he you can't get a hand on him inside the tackle box, but he also maintains gap integrity. He got so much better as the year wore on. He plays the game at a different speed than everybody. So, so good. I really, really loved his season. He was uh, ended up as a, a mid-70s collective grade, which is fine by my my standard. I think that ends up being pretty good for a linebacker in their first year in the NFL. I liked a ton of what he did. I really did enjoy Greg Newsome too, who showed, Hey man, I can play outside and be really good. And I can also be a slot and play really well in that. And that, that uh, with the corner room, they have his ability to do that is really, really, it's really, really important. And, and, and I, I like him a lot too. So I went JOK, but I'm not sure if you did too. I'll, I'll let you feel the way on those. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, no, I mean, yeah, this, my, uh, I match you in the exact answer. It was, I had written down either JOK or Greg Newsom. So, um, I think, yeah, I also would give the edge to JOK because I think you nailed it. I think he just, yeah, was probably on the field, uh, outside of his injuries, like, you know, for more snaps and just maybe, you know, played, made a little more of an impact just because like you said, I mean, especially against the run, but he was just everywhere, man. Like, I think that's a sign when, you know, like a guy is, a guy is going to be a player for a while, like JOK and his little, I, I just loved his little, um, the towel that he always has hanging out. It's just kind of flapping in the wind as he runs like everywhere on the field. And so you're just like, Oh, there he is because of the white towel. And you were seeing that white towel a lot. Um, yeah, he's awesome, man. I, I, to be honest, I didn't, watch a ton of Notre Dame games um, a season ago when he was playing there. I didn't know a ton about him. I only really kind of learned about him because the Browns got connected to him, especially as he sort of fell in the, in the draft. And um, so I didn't really know what to expect or kind of what kind of player he was, but man, he just seems like he fits in terms of a, a linebacker that the Browns have just not had in a really, really long time. A guy that you're like, Oh, that dude makes plays. Like that dude is tackles for losses. That dude is, that dude can blitz. That dude's speed is everywhere. It jumps off the, it jumps off the page at you. And the Browns haven't had a linebacker like that in as long as I can remember. And that's really, really exciting. Um, you can play him so many different spots around the field just because of his speed and the ground he can cover. And, and like you said, some of the routes he took to just get to the, the ball carrier, like guys couldn't get their hands on him, not only because of his speed, but yeah, just like angles he took. And like that stuff is so important. Like how many times did we see even other players on the back end of the Browns defense just taking really bad angles? So you look at JOK and ra- very rarely did he ever sort of mess up his his vision and, and his route that he took to to bring a guy down and sure tackler. And yeah, man, I, I am like year two for him should be an absolute blast. So yeah, shout out to Greg Newsom who who held his own. Um, but I think JOK is, takes the cake here. Yep, JOK, good answer. I think you could have had either of them and been fine, but I, I, I like our reasoning for, for JOK as well. Um, okay, let's do most improved. We have two qu- categories and then the bonus one. Most improved, I'll let you lead off on this one. Yeah, so I had there were two guys here for me um, that I kind of split on, but I'll just go through both of them quickly. One, I think – I don't know if this fully counts in this category, but because he didn't play as a rookie, but Grant Delpit to me was improved just going from what he went through in terms of, you know, tearing his, I forget whether it was Achilles or ACL, but um, in, you know, in training camp as a rookie and having to sit out that whole year after there was so, so much excitement about that draft pick and what he could be missing the whole season and then comes back and, you know, there were obviously like games where he made an impact and then games where you didn't hear his name. But I just think in general, and especially the second half of the season, he really kind of came on and you saw him flash and you saw kind of what the Browns like envision with this sort of three safety kind of defense and uh, personnel that they can, they can run with, you know, there were, there's so many injuries between John Johnson, Ronnie Harrison and Grant Delpit who, you know, missed some time, but like, so rarely did they kind of get to get all three of those guys on the field and use them and employ them in the exact ways that they wanted. But I thought Delpit really kind of came on 
as like, okay, like we took this guy because of X reason and he's showing us that like, he's going to be that guy and he's still so young and he fought back to rehab and, and all of that stuff. So uh, part of me is like, okay, Delpit was great. And then the other one, I don't even know if this is sort of most improved. Cause I think he's always been this talented, but like, I just think David and Joku continues to show why, like he should be the tight end on this team. Um, I wish he had more opportunities. Like I wish he got the ball more. I've kind of wished this for the past couple of seasons. Now I know that's difficult when you're running 13 personnel. So you're, you, you've got multiple tight ends on the field. You're almost always having two tight ends on the field and in any given formation. So like the opportunities are are harder out of that set than if he just was always the one tight end on the field. But like, he's so talented. <laughs> he's a, fr- he's a freak like Miles Garrett is in terms of just athleticism and what he can do. And I just want him to have so many more opportunities because when he gets them, he shows you what he can do. That catch he made, um, in the Steelers game, like it did, you know, it was a pretty didn't matter touchdown, but the Browns were still in the game. Baker threw it high and he still went up in the back of the end zone and brought it down. Like he does that stuff like nonchalantly all the time. He's, he's so talented. And I really hope that he gets to show more of it as we go forward and he stays in Cleveland. So I'm kind of split between those guys for different reasons, Jake, but those would kind of be my two answers there. Both are great answers. Uh, I really like both of them. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong picking either of them. I think you could also throw in, I'm going to throw in MJ Stewart. Um, okay. I, who like I thought found a role late in the year. He um, trying to see real quick, kind of where he spent most of his time. He ended up being a nice hybrid player between slot and safety. Like for example, he played 40 slot snaps in week 16, 51 free safety snaps in week 17, and then played um, like, 80% of his week 18 snaps at free safety as well. I don't know. We, we, we could be, he just might've had a three good three week run might be overvaluing a little bit, but he had 328 snaps and he graded at an 83 five with an 86 coverage grade. Uh, he closed the year 81.2, 81.3, 80.6. And I think the eyeballs tell you that he was getting better too. So does he give you the comfort to walk away from Ronnie Harrison? I don't know, maybe as that role player, but you know, you forget this guy just in 2018 was a second round pick. So, you know, he flunked out of Tampa and sometimes guys find their legs other places. They start to figure out the game. So, you know, I, I it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him down the line. But I just thought he closed the year really strong, ended up with 30 tackles. Uh, he ended up with uh, four pressures, 15 stop tackles, including seven in that week 16 game against Green Bay where he played. I mean, he played really played out of his mind, uh, but but a pretty nice season. He only gave up. In coverage, he only gave up 22 of 31. He only gave up 178 yards. He had four pass breakups on the year. So I just thought he had a nice season. I, I think he might have improved to the point that we see him uh, as a part of this defense in a, in, a more, in a more important role moving forward. So I just want to kind of add him in. I think your two answers are pretty good, too. I was almost leaning towards saying David if you didn't say David. So I'm glad you did. But I think we covered three guys there who who got better zero on. Now we're going to close a little negatively. We're going to talk about the least, <laughs> uh, sorry, the most disappointing season. Uh, this would be obviously compared to expectations. This doesn't mean we think they're going to be bad in perpetuity moving forward, but this is uh, an important category. I think I got to go JJ three, you know, John Johnson was a guy yep. when I wrote a huge article on, I was, I couldn't, I can't think of a free agent signing that I have been more excited about. I really can't. Uh, the, the Odell thing was a trade. I, I, I think that as far as like, they got a guy to come here that they needed badly, and he was a baller at his last location. This should be a perfect fit. It just had, didn't materialize. I thought he played a little slower than he had played in previous editions of himself. 
I don't really know why. Maybe he, like you, needs the L.A. weather out there to uh, to be the best <laughs> version of himself. He doesn't have his uh, he doesn't have his Midwest card, Jake. We yeah. gotta we gotta get him one. We gotta get him a Midwest card. He was the eighth highest. Well, if if you look at guys who have played a significant number of snaps, um. If you look at total snaps, John played the most on the team, and he didn't grade out horrendously. I mean, he graded out at a 68.7, a 70 tackle, a 66.5 coverage. Like, he was – it's not a bad year. They're all above average grades. But I think we had this idea, like, for example, last year in L.A., he had 90 tackles, 31 stop tackles, okay? This year he had 40 tackles and 13 stop tackles. So, you know, the role shifted. He was more of a deep guy than he was anywhere near the line of scrimmage, which he'd been in previous seasons. And, you know, it, uh, it just isn't the best fit for him. In my opinion, like he played 652 free safety snaps this year. He only played 394 last year. He had 459 box snaps for the Rams last year, 132, um, for Cleveland this year. So completely, it is wild, a completely different role. One I didn't expect and really has changed how I thought about building your room, um, about around a bunch of guys, like, you know, is this, this whole conversation about, well, your free, your, your safety room should be a bunch of different guys who can do, but no, you really need guys that can do defined things. Cause if you get guys that can't do defined things and you only have a bunch of guys who are actually really good closer to the ball, then you have to pick, you have to pick someone to stick deep and that's not what you want. So I do think Cleveland could do themselves a favor, find a way to get John closer to the football next year, whether through personnel acquisition or scheme, whatever, he did end up with three interceptions, which is more than he had last year. He The thing, though, like the ball production, he only had two pass breakups in, in terms of nine last year. He wasn't around the ball quite as much, but I just hope they can find a role that gets him a little closer to the line of scrimmage, a little more one-on-one opportunities against people, uh, tight ends and slots, because that's where I thought he was pretty good. He turned it on late in the year. His start of the year was brutal. He didn't grade above 63 until week seven, and oh. and it was it was bad. He played really poorly in New England. But if you take out the New England game weeks 9, 11, 12, 14, 15, and then he was 18 because of COVID, he was 85, 8, 77, 73, 76, 9. Like he figured it out, but it came late in the year. I'm hoping he has a much better second year and they can figure out how to make him more comfortable and get some yoga for this guy for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You've been, you've been spot on with the John Johnson stuff all year, especially with those stats about where they're playing him and how they're using him. And hopefully they, you know, Joe Woods and, and the staff sort of review how they used him and how he was used in LA and yeah, can, can tweak that a little bit um, next season. Also just, yeah, like personality stuff with him is a little weird too. Like it kind of started early on. He was posting some weird anti-vax stuff on his Instagram story at the beginning of the year, just like stuff. He was like grabbing off Facebook, like just weird stuff. And then stuff obviously it's just not have, helping the situation. Yeah. Like, you could be anti-vax, but at all. Yeah, like don't you don't need what what do we need to do that? I'm with you. That was yeah, weird. Don't do that. And yeah, that, then with sort of the you know he got a lot of grief for the run the ball, run the damn ball tweet as yeah. he's watching the yeah. game from home. So just yeah, it was a weird. Um, it was not the smoothest transition in year one for John Johnson. So hopefully, um, year two is is better. I um obviously Mayfield is on this list, but we have covered him ad nauseum. Yeah. So I'm not gonna do that again. I um. I don't. Ha- I didn't have huge expectations for this person, but man, the the Austin Hooper thing is um, is as big as us. I think is if there is any major negative mark, maybe on on Andrew Barry's sort of tenure as GM, it is. I think it's been Austin Hooper. Just I'm not sure what what he's giving you at this point uh, at all. He's he seems like he. You know, I don't have the the list up of of how many 
drop passes he was actually credited with, but it just felt like, man, he didn't was dropping passes. Um, you know, he's, he's not a guy that's fast or is going to beat you off the line with speed. And I think we all knew that when the Browns sort of acquired him in free agency. And he was a guy that like, you know, was known for, okay, he can find the holes in zone coverage. And he's, he's going to be that sure handed type of guy on third down. That's going to get you a first when you need it. And he can, he can find the spaces in the field when he's open. And he's just not, when he did do it, it felt like he was dropping it or just like, I feel like his depth of target was just so low outside of a couple times when they got him, when they got him free on a couple of, of nice sort of scheme creations from, from Stefanski. But it's just like, he just isn't giving you anything. It doesn't feel like, like you could replace him with almost anyone. I feel like you could just put Harrison Bryant and have Harrison Bryant do everything that he was doing. And you're paying him a fraction of what you're paying Austin Hooper. So I just, I guess, you know, relative, relative to expectations, it's sort of like, okay, I wasn't expecting him to be some like Kyle Pitts out here or, you know, something like that, even on that level. But man, he just looked slow and he, he dropped a lot of passes. He didn't look confident. I don't know, man. There was just a, the Austin Hooper thing just feels like a big sort of swing and miss. Now, listen, I understand it. I think, you know, this was Barry and Stefanski's their first year coming in. And Stefanski obviously was like, look, I want to run, uh, you know, two to three tight ends a lot. I want to run 12 and 13. Like, who can we get? And, and it felt like, a, okay, I'm going to go get you this guy. Like, let's see what we can do. He was a hot free agent, all of that stuff. So I'm willing to, you know, not absolutely kill Andrew Barry for it, but man, it just hasn't really, he just hasn't really made an impact. I didn't feel like he made an impact last season. Didn't feel like he made much of an impact this season. So uh, outside of Mayfield and, and JJ three, which I had on my list as well, I think Hooper is up there with sort of disappointments for me. It's a fair answer. Very fair answer. I think, I think Hooper is another guy like John who I saw him on tape at his former employer. And I'm like, he looks slower here. I don't know why. Yep. I don't know. Hundred percent. Brown's uniform. I don't know. <laughs> it just he does not. And not that he was packing a bunch of athleticism anyway, but he just has looked lethargic at times. I'm not sure. Just not not the athlete I hoped you would be, even by my baseline expectations. And an example of uh, hey, you got to be careful of a guy benefiting from a really fantastic. Uh, number one wide receiver and P Julio Jones and taking advantage of zone options underneath all those things that created from Julio. So, but again, he's blocked his butt off. So I get, I get the Browns needed to raise the the baseline of their tight end room. I get it. It just has never quite been like, we were all very excited for Austin Hooper. And it just, like you said, has not materialized. The hands have been inconsistent, much like Jarvis too, where you think these guys are very, very sure handed and they're, if they don't have that, then it's like, okay, what are you really bringing to this opera, you know, to this table of, of, uh, chasing opportunity here that everybody wants. So uh good answer there. We'll close with this one. Last one is best dressed. I have mine's a little off the wall. I'll let you go first. And, and mine might <laughs> okay. not even fit the category, but I'll let you lead off. Oh, I'm excited to hear yours then. Um, okay. Mine is, mine is Grant Delpit. If you, uh, if you go through some of the, so it's funny because we do this at, um, one of the things I started at the checkdown when I got there in 2019 was we did something called fit of the week where um, every week we would find four of what we thought were the best dressed guys coming in. And and every team now, uh, any, every NFL team now on their Instagram is posting arrival pictures. Like it's like this in every sport. Now it's, it's become a, 
a thing of its own where it's just photos of the guys arriving at the game and everybody's kind of trying to outdo each other and how they dress. So uh, teams would post all those pictures. We'd go through all of them um, pregame, pick out who we like the best. And then we eventually had an illustrator on our team illustrate um, all four of the best fits that we thought. And then we'd run a little competition each week with who had the fit of the week and we'd crown a winner at the end of the week. So um, I've been, I've been in the weeds, Jake, in terms of fits, in terms of all over the place. And for me, uh, it's been Grant Delpit has just, he rocks some wild stuff. Like you're not going to see me wearing the stuff Grant Delpit is wearing. You're not going to see a lot of guys being able to pull off the stuff. Maybe Odell was like one of the only guys in terms of like similar fashion styles as Grant Delpit, just like, pants that are like nine sizes too big or like an oversized hoodie that probably costs $2,000 that looks ridiculous. But if you know the brand and you know how much it costs, he pulls it off. So um, those LSU boys, man, between Jarvis, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and and, and Delpit, they've got, um, they've got some style. It's a little out of the box, but just take a minute if you, if you're interested at all in this and go through the Brown sort of arrival posts from the past, I don't know, you know, four or five weeks and just look at Grant Delpit and you'll get a kick out of it. It is stuff that, that, you know, again, I'm not going to be rocking. I'd get laughed out of any establishment I went into, but Grant has a lot more swag than I do, pulls it off. He's got that, that LSU swag and, um, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. So yeah, check out Grant Elpit, check out his fits. Uh, he really, he brought it, you know, he, he missed a year. He had to make up for it, Jake. He had to make up for missing his rookie year and really go all out with the fits. So, um, shout out to Grant Elpit for, uh, dressing very well uh for for the cleveland browns i'm gonna i'm gonna take mine you're right that's a great one i'm gonna take mine in a completely different direction <laughs> okay and it's a, it's involving halloween okay and it's oh, good, it's, good. it's not that miles was the best dress the grim reaper thing was awesome it's that he <laughs> it's that he had to go to the post game after that brutal loss <laughs> in the same grim reaper baseline outfit he didn't think ahead to bring another set of clothes in case things didn't go well. So shout out to the confidence that it takes to wear the grim reaper, not the mask, but the whole underneath Cape thing to the post game and own it. Um, I just think it's like a microcosm of the season of where like miles is. I, I totally forgot about that. So pumped about this outfit. It's so funny. It's like, these the quarterback grim reaper. It's great. And then they lose that 15 to 10 game to Pittsburgh. And it's like, he, I would imagine he's sitting at his locker at first energy stadium. He's looking at his duffel bag and he's like, Oh shit, I forgot anything else to wear. And now I have to go talk to the media in this Cape gown, like an absolute <laughs> moron. And I just, I just would like to have been there the moment that that dawned on him. And maybe he doesn't care because he's Miles Garrett and he's from another planet and all that stuff. I don't know. But I just that when I think of like clothes from the Browns this year, I just continually think back and chuckle about that situation Miles was left in after the Pittsburgh game. So that is a um, that is a great answer. I almost wish he had just like gone to the podium still in uniform and people been like, did you like what's going on? He'd be like, don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like and Got to, nothing for you. Just to, just to piggyback off that too, I just thought the whole thing, the tombstones in the yard was not only like, I still love it. I love that he did it. He caught a little bit of flack, but it's like, whatever. But mm-hmm. the best part of that to me too, as we're keeping up with sort of the, the Grim Reaper theme that he was going with that you brought up was like all the players, all the quarterbacks that came up to him after games and were like, why'd you put me in the graveyard, man? Why do you have to do that? Like, that was one of my favorite, like Lamar did it. Kyler Murray did it. Like I, that was one of my favorite running things 
um, the entire season was guys just like good naturedly like coming up to Miles after games, be like, "Don't put me in the graveyard, bro! Like, why do you have to do that?" So, I I love everything about Miles. Like, he's just having fun with it, and like he's so good that he can. And yeah. um, it was uh, that was one of the the lighter spots of the season was Miles' whole Halloween themed between the yard and him sitting at the podium. Which now I'm gonna go back and look that up because I totally forgot he had to. He looks so sad, conference. dude. He looks oh, so my sad. Goodness. Uh, I just, it, it, it's hilarious. It's like a, it's like a, you know, if you played sports in high school or college or something, you forget your fit for after the game and you're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I cannot believe I have nothing else to wear except for the same travel suit or something like that. But it's just really fun. And my, it's really cool. Cause miles is you're right. Like the guy's coming up to him. He is Odell was the extension to the greater part of the NFL, but that's miles now, right? Like he is yep. the guy who's so universally respected across the NFL that He's the he's where the cameras go after the game and all of that. And he's just great. So, again, Jordan and I plan to do 20 minutes. We're 53 minutes into this thing. Seems to be how it goes, man. This was a ton, how it goes. A ton of fun. I'm sure we're going to catch up in the next month or so about some other topic recapping or looking forward. And uh, it'll be a blast. I appreciate your time, Jordan, so much, man. Yeah, man. Um, appreciate you covering the Browns as you do all season, man. It's, uh, it's fun to, yeah, always listening to you even when I'm not on the pod. So it's, uh, I'm sure many other people feel this way, but always appreciate your coverage, man. It makes, even in a difficult Brown season, it just makes understanding what's happening with the Browns and understanding the why of like why they're struggling, what's going on. It's, uh, there's not many people that are better at it than you, man. So appreciate you always having me on and always reaching out. My friend, I appreciate you very much for those kind words. Thanks, man. Of course. Okay, we're going to close today. Listen, Jordan taking 50 minutes of his time on a, on a, on a day. We're recording this thing at like 3 o'clock my time, noon his time. Can't thank him enough for, for giving us his time and uh, always providing quality, quality insight. So, again, if Jordan's willing to come on, going to have him on whenever he wants to because he's, uh, he's one of the best. So make sure you check out. We have Chalk Talk tonight. I, like I said, the next two pods will be pre-recorded. And those might be weird because I might not be talking about something that breaks. You never know with the Browns. Something could happen. Who knows? Whatever. Uh, so just keep in mind the next two or three pods will be pre-recorded. I'll be back for a live one, sort of caught up with everything over the weekend. So I'll check back in with you then. Uh, thanks for supporting the OBR pod, supporting the OBR's Twitch or the website. Thank you so, so much for that. Everybody have a great Wednesday. Appreciate your time. And we close with the usual. Go Browns. Go Browns.